in your life. I would propose with James that it is possible, just possible, that the reason we are not experiencing more spiritual growth in our lives is because we are equating and confusing our mental agreement with the truth with spiritual maturity. I would say the reason we aren't experiencing more spiritual growth in our lives is because we are equating and confusing our mental agreement with the truth with spiritual maturity. And just like the person in the hypothetical scenario above, we come to church and listen to the word being taught and preached. We buy books and we read about the word. We spend time studying the word. We listen to sermons via YouTube. We listen um, um, to the word via Bible apps. We post daily Bible verses on our social media pages. And because we are constantly interacting with the word, because we are able to quote scripture, because we're even able to explain doctrine, we feel spiritually mature. We feel that we are close to God. However, the truth is, we're still struggling with cursing people out. We feel close to God. But we still struggle, and struggle, we use the air quotes, okay? We still struggle <laughs> with sexual immorality. We feel close to God, but we are still unloving and unkind to each other in church. We feel close to God, but the divorce rate and marital conflict is just as high in the church as it is in the world. We feel close to God. And yet we keep turning on the television and hearing about clergy sexual abuse scandals. Why? The answer is there is a world of difference between hearing the word and actually doing the arduous daily work of applying what you have heard. It's a world of difference between hearing the word and going home and applying the word. There is a world of difference between these two things. James says those who hear the word but don't take the daily steps needed to implement what they have heard are self-deceived. They believe something is true of them simply because of head knowledge, but not because it is actually working in their lives. Isn't this true of the Pharisees? They knew the word of God. They had all of the external things working for them. They were tithing, not on, on just money, not on just cattle. I mean, they were tithing on mint leaves. <laughs> and at the same time, they were able to get together and plan how to murder Jesus. James tells us, verse 22 and 23, to be doers of the word and not hearers only, 
deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Now, James, to illustrate this, uses the example of someone who looks into a mirror. And this is probably very familiar for all of us. How many people leave the house without looking into a mirror first? Not, not many. Everyone, before you leave the house, right, uh, you, you go in, you're going to look at your face, you're going to make sure that your makeup is crooked, make sure you don't have, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, make sure that your makeup is not crooked. <laughs> okay, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Now, I don't know, because sometimes I see people be like, I'm like, the outline will be all, all up here. I'll be like, oh, Lord, it must have been, it must have been dark when they was getting dressed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's a style. That's like my style. <laughs> it's just something that we do every day. Right? I mean, it, it, it's, it's a part of our routine. When we're getting ready, we take the time to look in the mirror. And, and when we look in the mirror, if we see something that that's looks inappropriate, hopefully... We take the time to, to stop and, and fix it. Something I didn't do this morning. <laughs> you see, that is the purpose of a mirror. The purpose of a mirror is to accurately show us what we look like so we can make the needed corrections. The purpose of a mirror is to accurately show us what we look like so we can make the needed corrections. And James tells us that God's word is a mirror. God's word is a mirror. Every time we read or hear it, it reflects back to us, in James's words, what type of person we are. Again, Hebrews 4.12 says, the Bible is a mirror of our thoughts and motives. It discerns the thoughts and intents of your heart. It tells you whether your thoughts are right or wrong. It exposes your motives and tells you whether your motives are right or wrong. And we are supposed to look into the mirror of the word, recognize that there is something wrong, and make the needed corrections. But when we are hearers only, that is, if we are focused solely on head knowledge, we confuse our knowledge of the word with spiritual growth and forget what type of person we really are. Now, I know that, um, you know, Mr. George is going to try to copy my style. I saw him checking me out when I was walking in the parking lot, right? <laughs> All right. Right, but uh, but anybody signing up for the new uh, new fashion line? Anybody wants want? I'm taking orders, taking orders. Nobody, nobody wants to. You know, don't want any parts of it. Why? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm self deceived. <laughs> anybody? Why? What's wrong with what's what's wrong with my my outfit? No coordination. Don't match. Patterns going in this direction. You know, slippers, 
right. Now, now Mr. Brown ain't this bad. Now, check this out though. We don't want to go out looking like this because we would want people want to. I'm like, I don't want nobody looking at me. I had to run out to get some out the trunk today, and one of my neighbors came. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, don't, don't even, don't even ask. <laughs> like, they probably like, why, why he looking like that? So we don't want to go outside looking strange and people looking at us like, what? They can't coordinate. They don't, they don't know. But isn't this how we look to Jesus? When, when, we, when we look into the mirror of the word, right, the, the mirror is supposed to say, wait a minute, something's not right. Maybe you shouldn't put that tie on with that polo shirt. <laughs> you, should be able to, you should be able to look into the mirror and say, maybe you shouldn't wear bedroom slippers to church. <laughs> Not while you're preaching, man. You're, you're supposed to look into the, the word and the word is supposed to tell you what type of person you are, and you're supposed to say, you know what, that's right, I need to change this, let me change that, change this. But what we do is we look into the word, and we don't like what we see, so we look away, or we walk away. James says when we look into the word, and we don't apply it to our lives, we become a forgetful hearer, and we forget the type of person that we are. We start to think that because we have information about sanctification, then I'm really sanctified. Because I have information about how I'm supposed to treat or talk to people, that I actually do treat people nicely and talk to people nicely. Because I know about submission in the Bible that I think I'm a submissive person. But the truth is, it's all up here. Remember when we were, <laughs> um, we had the little kerfuffle. <laughs> I was thinking about, what's that word that um, Trump tweeted, confetti or something like that? <laughs> I don't know why that word was going through my mind, right? Um, we were, were having some, 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 some trouble dealing with profane hearts. No, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Like the Shannon Sharp meme. <laughs> mm-mm, nope, nope, it's not that serious. Nope, it's just, it just words just slip every once in a, once in a while. Nope, mm-mm. You know, that's not that's not an issue of my heart. <laughs> See, James is trying to say, don't hear the word. Don't look into the perfect law of liberty and think because you memorize the verse, you can quote verses, that you understand doctrine, that you have all of the information 
that you are somehow spiritually mature because spiritual maturity comes through the application of what you know, not just in knowing it. And you can look at a whole bunch of people on TV right now with the titles of pastor, priest, or whatever, going to jail (laughs) because they have information, but for some reason they can't stop touching children. Bible gives us generally three ways that we typically ignore the type of persons that we really are. I want you to really quickly turn to 1 John chapter 1. All of us have this danger. We're all in danger of this. We are consistently hearing God's word. Every day, we, we, I mean, just on my phone alone, right? 9.30 in the morning, boom, scripture's popping up on my phone, right? As soon as I log into Facebook, right? If I, if I, if I log into Facebook around 2 o'clock in the morning, about five minutes before that, Sister Mitzen put some Bible verses up. <laughs> Whenever she can't sleep, you know, she, she get up and post scriptures. I'm like, whoop, Sister Mitzen's still up. <laughs> Okay, I, I, I see friends, you know, posting scriptures every day. You know, I have the Bible app on my phone so I can listen to the word. I can go on YouTube and listen to people's sermons. You can go on, on, on all kinds of, you can hear the word every single day. And because we hear it, right, it makes us feel a certain kind of way. We feel close to God. But often, that's because we're hearing things that we like. What about when we <laughs> hear things we don't like? Okay. You, can, you can ignore the word in three ways. Number one, you can ignore the word by lying. Listen to what John says in verse 6, 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with God, that I'm close to God, I have a good relationship with God, me, me, me and God, we, we, we go like that. Okay. <laughs> If you say we have fellowship with him and you walk in darkness, you continue to live a lifestyle of sin, habitual, ongoing sin. What does he say? We lie and do not practice the truth. The first way we ignore the word is to just lie, to just come to church and say hey everything's great i'm 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 li- me and god we have a close relationship i spend time with god every day mm, everything is great and then you go home and live in sin your life looks no different from the world right but we don't know because we you you come to church with the you know looking good and you know, your, your, your Bible looks a little worn and stuff. So, like, yeah, they must have, you know, they must be reading it. No, it was just, you know, was sitting in the sun in the car and got curled up. <laughs> but, but it looks good. It looks like I used it, right? <laughs> the second way that we tend to ignore the type of person that we really are is through self-deception. Listen to what John says in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not 
in us. If we say we have no sin, right? I didn't, I, I, I didn't do anything. Uh, what are you talking about? It, it's not that bad, right? Um, <laughs> I remember having a conversation uh, with someone, and um, we were talking, and they were like, I need, I'm struggling with this particular sin, and okay, well, let me help you w- with the sin. And, 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 um, and so we're talking, and, and this person says, um, I, I get some, a phone call from somebody else, like, yeah, you need to work with so-and-so, so-and-so, you know, dealing with this. And I'm like, huh? I'm like, wait, I just talked to them, they said they ain't doing nothing. And so I'm like, you know me, do-do-do-do-do. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, what's up? I'm just checking in. Hold you accountable. Oh, yeah, everything's great. I ain't doing nothing. I ain't did nothing in such and such amount of time. I'm like, you sure? I just had a conversation. Somebody said they was with you, and then they saw such and such and such and such. And like, no, they lying. And I'm like, okay, you, you sure? Well, what about this? Well, I don't consider that to be that, you know, like I can do this, 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 and that's not sexual sin. But if I don't, if as long as I don't do this, 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 then I'm okay. You self-deceived. You wasn't there. You can't tell me I, I said ain't nothing happened. He said ain't nothing happened. So, but God was there too, and He said something happened. <laughs> You're self-deceived. We have teenagers be like, oh, if it's this form of, you know, then it, then that's not it. As long as we don't do this, you know. And then we got adults saying the same thing. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the second word, I mean, I don't care what the first word is, but the second word is the same as, I'm confused. We're self-deceived. The third way that we ignore the type of person that we really are is by defaming God. Verse 10, he says, if we say that we have not sinned, God said, I was there. I don't care what y'all two say. I said this is a sin. Well, if we say we have not sinned, nope. God don't know what he was talking about. That ain't true. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You know, there's off, uh, really a fourth way, too. The fourth way is, we're like, oh, I wish my wife was here to hear this message. <laughs> Man, you know, that was a great message. You missed sermon. You should have been, been here to hear that word today. <laughs> right? You're like, you know what that's called? Self-deception. <laughs> you know, that's called ignoring the word. That means like, ooh, I got cut, but let me get distracted by something over there. All of these things are ways for us to simply be hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. However, Verse 25 tells us that the person who spends time in the word and consistently puts it into practice will be blessed in what he or she does. What I'm trying to get us to see, what James is trying to get us to see, is scriptures, just like this mirror, (laughs) 
right? Just, just like you wake up every single morning and, and you look into the mirror when you're getting ready for work, right? Th- this is what we do every single time we look into the Word, okay? We're, we're, we're looking into a mirror. God is trying to show us what we really look like, okay? We have one of two options. We can, can, we can agree with God, right? And we kind of say with if we confess our sins, right, the word confess means to say the same thing as God, right? If we say the same thing as God, yes, God, that is me, okay? And you recognize God is right, you have to do something about it. If you look into the mirror, right, and you recognize that your, that your makeup is, is just off, right, and you don't change it, you just leave and walk out, right? The Bible says you're a forgetful hearer. You're, you're, you're someone who leaves and you don't even really understand the type of person that you are. Now, the truth is all of us are jacked up, okay? All of us are jacked up. So, you know, when we say the type of person that you are, all of us are some type of person, <laughs> okay? <laughs> all of us are, are, are some type of person. We're just different some types of person. Okay, well, well, all of us are some type of person. Okay, <laughs> um, but James says in verse twenty-five that God's favor, His blessing, is for those who consistently put the word into practice in their lives. Right now, sometimes we're asking the question, "Well, why isn't God moving on my behalf? Why isn't He doing anything for me?" It seems bless you. I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels and I'm praying, I'm asking God to do something, and, and God is just not fixing it for me. Could it be because God knows we aren't serious about spiritual growth? Could it be that the reason that God is delaying answering our prayer is because he knows we aren't serious about change. Okay. I, use, I often have this question with um, people who are single, right? They're like, man, you know, why I'm praying, why God doesn't send me somebody? And, that, and I'm like, okay, well, well, what type of person do you want? And so sometimes I, depending on the age of the person, right, you know, the list is kind of longer or shorter, okay? And so <laughs> when I talk <laughs> When I talked, <laughs> it's like the higher the decade, the shorter the list, right? I remember talking to talking to a, to a younger person, right? And and I mean, they, they, their list was long. You know, they liked horses, so the guy had to like horses and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, huh? Okay. And so now, uh, talking to that same person a decade later, their list is a little shorter. <laughs> right this is just a little shorter you know he ain't even got like animals okay <laughs> right <laughs> but listen to me listen to me <laughs> more than breathing right <laughs> but often when we have this conversation, people will say that, you know, I want this, I want that, I want someone who, 
you know, can can you know take care of me financially, particularly when take care of me financially, yada yada yada. And I say, and so here's the question: We had the same question. I would a I asked it differently, but um, a uh, not a Andy Stanley asked it, you know, a particular way, and I, and I like the way he asked it. He says, "Are you the person the person you are looking for is looking for?" Are you the person the person you are looking for is looking for? Because, you know, I want somebody that can take care of me. Well, if they take care of you, they, they got, yeah, they got to have good credit. You know, like, what's your credit look like? Because if I, if I got good credit and I get with you, I mean, like, I, I mean, what's going when we buy a house? When we buy a house, my payment going to be higher because they going to use your score. <laughs> Right? I want somebody who is loving and affectionate and, you know, you know, is, is a, like a, a morning person. And then you wake up in the morning, get out of my face. I don't like you. Keep, keep saying hi to me. Good morning. What's good about the morning? <laughs> You're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you see? That's, that, 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 see, that's the, that, that, that's the, that's the problem. <laughs> Well, 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 maybe God isn't sending you someone because he got some stuff to work on. Because if, because if he just dropped the, the man of your dreams into your lap, he going to be going in that direction. <laughs> okay. See, maybe God doesn't answer our prayers because God knows we aren't serious about change. And God is not going to give you his blessings until you are ready for them so that you don't mess them up. And so, God, how long is it going to take, God? You taking too long, God. I'm waiting on you. <laughs> Could it be that God knows that we are not serious about spiritual growth? The way we prove we are serious about spiritual growth is by daily implementing the needed actions to apply God's word, regardless of how difficult it is. You hear the sermon on Sunday? Wow, I recognize. I need to do something about that. So on Monday, what are you supposed to do? This is what we normally do. God, I pray that you would just give me the strength to do it. Give me strength, Lord, help me. God, I need help. But he's already given you help. He's giving you, first of all, his son died to break the power of sin in your life. He has given us his word to tell us the right things to do. He has put his spirit inside of you so that you can have the power to do it. The problem is we stand around, Holy Spirit, help me. Give me the power to do it. I gave you the power. Go do it. Oh, I need help. <laughs> Just get up and do it. <laughs> Just get up and do it. Just do it. See, we have to take the initiative to do the daily hard steps of implementing what we hear. 
He has already died for us. He has given us his spirit. He has given us his word. We have his power. We have the promise that if we do what we, we're supposed to do, then everything will work out. He will work all things for our good. You know what you got to do? You got you to gotta put feet to the pavement <laughs> and implement it. And when you do, James says, that person will be blessed in what he does. The problem is that it is difficult to look into the word and to admit that we are liars. It is difficult to look into the word and admit that we have a profane heart. It is difficult to look into the word and admit that we don't love people like we should. It is difficult to look into the word and admit that we are hurting and vulnerable. It is difficult to look into the word and admit that we are failing as husbands, wives, children, and pastors. And it is so easy to hide behind an image or head knowledge. It is so easy to just look away and become a forgetful hearer so that we don't have to address the type of person we really are. For the truth be told, most of the problems that we have have nothing to do with the person that we're having conflict with. It's about how we respond to the circumstances that we're in. And the truth is we keep praying and asking God to change the other person when the person that needs to be changed is us. Like James, I'm begging you and urging you to keep working on what you see in the mirror. Now, I have to take a moment and remind you what we're discussing, okay? I want to bring everything we've said all the way through the book of James. I want you to remember that the entire book of James is about faith. And the definition, our working definition that we said we were going to use in the introduction, remember when we were talking about what is faith, right? The last statement was our working definition of faith. And that definition is faith is having a reliance upon God and his trustworthiness that immediately produces eternal life and progressively produces the same quality of trustworthiness in an individual. So faith has two parts, right? It is depending and relying on God so that we are eternally saved, and it is progressively growing to be just like God. You, we need both aspects um, in our lives. And what I'm trying to get us to see is that genuine faith must produce change in our lives. That is the point of the whole book of James, that genuine faith must produce change in our lives. That's why it's important to keep in mind that biblical faith requires all three of the components we discussed, knowledge, conviction, and personal trust. Knowledge, conviction, and personal trust. But notice where we stop. 
we stop at the first component, which is knowledge. And we think that if we have the information, then that is sufficient. That is not true biblical faith. We also need to allow that knowledge to lead us into conviction. And remember, we saw that this conviction is reorienting our entire lives. It is application. You have to gain information, but you have to apply that information. And of course, we cannot do this without a personal dependence on Christ. It is he who is at work in us, not we ourselves. It would take genuine biblical faith to agree with what God has said about you and to do the hard work of daily examining and working on changing that thing until it is no longer true in your life. You know, we were talking about this. Uh, we mentioned this yesterday in, um, in our cell group, right? And we talk about uh, when we take communion, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that whenever we take communion, we should examine ourselves, right? We should examine ourselves so that we don't eat and drink damnation to ourselves by not discerning the Lord's body. Right? Now, whenever we come to communion, right, we, we sit back and we examine ourselves and say, you know what, mm, I, I, I'm, I'm dealing with some things, you know, well, all right, Lord, forgive me, cleanse my heart, let me take the communion, yada, 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 right? right? But what is the context of 1 Corinthians 11? The context of 1 Corinthians 11 is how we treat each other in church. Remember, the whole section starts off with when you come to communion, right, to take the Lord's table, right, you all are not acting appropriately. Some of you, bless you, right, he says, you all come early and you eat up all of the food. Because remember, communion is not the little cracker and juice that we take, right? It was an actual little literal meal. They would sit down and eat. It was called the love feast, right? He says, well, well there are some, some people who are in the church who don't have much, right? They need to eat. But some of y'all get here early. Y'all eat up all of the food. And you don't leave anything for the, for the people who really have needs. Then he goes into talking about some of you all are sick and weak, and some of you all die because you're eating and drinking damnation to yourself and not discerning the Lord's body. See, how we are treating each other is his point. When we say we need to examine ourselves, right, and that we need to look at our own hearts and, and change, right, we always think it's some gross sin. Oh, I ain't, I ain't, you know, murder nobody this week. I ain't cheat on my wife this week. I didn't fornicate this week. I ain't rob a bank this week. I must be doing pretty good. Well, did you, did you come to church early and eat up all of the food before, the, before everybody else could get here? You need to repent before you take communion. Oh, well, what do I need to do? You need to practice at home, stop being selfish. You need to go home and, and practice. Make everybody else's plate and you eat last. When you when you when you get into go into you know the the DMV, you know the, the, when this uh, elderly lady you see them walking across the lot, 
You know, I'm going to get in before them. <laughs> no, stand there and hold the door. Let them go in first. You, you got to pr- every single day practice loving people and putting other people first until it becomes a habit in your life. We think that, all right, God, help me not to be selfish. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of my job. I pray to God, God. Well, if God didn't do it, then I ain't on me. I mean, God, God just didn't do it. It's on his God fault. He didn't, he didn't change my heart. Okay. We have to daily examine ourselves and work on changing those things until it is no longer true of ourselves. And I'm not talking about temporary external change. I'm talking about genuine heart change that lasts. It takes time. To change yourself, to change your heart. Up until this point, um, I've been giving you the easy part. I've been just telling you what James has been saying about self-deception. It's time for the application. Okay, James, here in the last two verses, verses 26 and 27, James is giving us the final exam. James is going to test us to see if we know what we say we know. James gives us three questions on the final exam. These three questions will reveal whether or not your spiritual maturity is from the heart or if it is merely an external image designed to deceive yourself and others. Here's your three questions. Final exam. Question number one. Do you have trouble controlling your tongue? Do you have trouble controlling your tongue? Question number two. (laughs) How much time do you spend serving others, particularly those who cannot do anything for you in return? How often do you spend time serving others particularly those who cannot do anything for you in return. Number three, are you consistently holy? Are you consistently holy? I'll read all three again. Number one, do you have trouble controlling your tongue? Number two, how much time do you spend serving others, particularly those who cannot do anything for you in return. And number three, are you consistently holy? Let me take each one of these one at a time. In reference to the first question on the exam, 
do you have trouble controlling your tongue? James says in verse 26, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless, worthless, vain. The word religious here refers to external rituals, liturgies, routines, ceremonies. It, it, it's just talking about the external things that you do as a part of religion. Reading the Bible, praying, um, you know, anything external that we do to make us uh, seem or feel like we are practicing our religion. Now, notice James isn't interested in knowing how good of a cosmetologist you are. Okay. okay. He, he's not interested in the image that you are projecting to us. His question is designed, his statement is designed to cut straight to your heart. Okay. Uh, when I was reading this and writing this, I was uh, thinking about, Someone that um, <laughs> I had I, sh I shared someone else's statement. The statement was in reference to um, uh, about not, like not having to attend church and have a good relationship with God or something like that. And and uh, one of my friends from middle school responded was like, "That ain't true. I ain't got to go to church." He's like, "I I spend time with God in my truck every single day. I even cry." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh yeah." You that's, that's definitely what the Bible says. As long as you're crying, you, you're in the right place with the Lord. Okay. <laughs> it, he's not talking about the externals, okay? You, you can cry on the outside and have a heart of ice on the inside. Okay. He is cutting straight to your heart. In Luke 6.45, Jesus says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever comes out of your mouth is actually coming out of your heart. As someone has said, your lips will betray you. You can wear a mask to, um, to fool us, but eventually your words will let us know who you really are. So here's some follow-up questions. Do you have a problem with lying? Do you try to get your way through flattery? Do you brag or boast a lot? Are you quick to say something instead of being able to just sit and listen? Just be quiet. Just listen. Just listen. Are you a backbiter? Are you always tearing someone down? Are you a gossiper? Sometimes people call me like, Pastor, you know what? I was just talking to somebody, and they said such and such, such and such. I just like, do you notice that whenever people have a problem at the upper room, they always call you? Why is that? Something ain't right with that. Why, why does everybody always call you? I think I know the reason. <laughs> right? Do you have a cursing problem? Do you cut people with your tongue or are your words seasoned with salt? I mean, I'm seasoned with grace. I must be hungry. 
<laughs> okay. Right? Can, can, you, can you cut people with your tongue? Or are your words, as Paul said, seasoned with grace so that it can edify the hearer? We're, we're looking into the mirror right now. Some, some, some people in the room are tempted to look, look away. Well, it's not that serious. Oh, man, that, that, he just, you know, just making stuff up. Well, or, you know, oh, well, you know, what time is it? I'm about to go to lunch. We're going, we going over Hibachi Grill. What am I going to eat when I get to Hibachi Grill? The only reason I say those words to them, because they said it to me first. Ain't nobody going to talk to me like that. Or, man, other people do worse stuff than gossip and cuss and all that other stuff. They, we need to be focusing on the real stuff. All, all we doing is like, I'm good. The truth is, every single one of us was cut by one of those questions. Every single one of us was cut by one of those questions. One or more. <laughs> One or more, right? One or more of the questions. Right. We, 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 we all got cut. The truth be told, too often I'm cutting people with words on Facebook rather than let my words be seasoned with grace. This is shade on myself. That's why I ain't been on Facebook in, a, in about two weeks. I'm like, you know, I, I need to take a break. James is saying, your Bible reading, your praise and worship, and your spiritual maturity is worthless if it cannot reign in your tongue. I mean, he, li he literally says that. I, I, I'm not making that up. He says, if anyone thinks he is religious, right, these are your routines that you practice, and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion, your spiritual maturity, your piety is worthless, it's useless. If you spend time with God and God can't fix your mouth, I mean, are you really spending time with God or are you just doing rituals? Is it just a routine? It's just a habit. Because true religion is not about rearranging what is on the outside. It's about spiritual heart surgery. In reference to the second question, how much time do you spend serving others? Now, and I want to say this. I recognize that um, each one of us has our own different things that we, sh that we struggle with, okay? Um, um, again, I don't struggle, sh struggle with cursing. If you would have caught me, you know, in the, the, the early to late 90s, you know, and, and crossed me the wrong way, <laughs> you might would have got a few choice words. <laughs> 
Uh, but the Lord, you know, he took those words from me, you know. Every now and again, I got, you know, I, I struggle with some of those words in my head. Be like, oh, if they was, oh, oh man, if we, if we can get in a time machine, I would tell these people something, <laughs> right? Um, but, but it, so I don't struggle with cursing. Well, I'm joking about that. I don't curse in my head, honestly. But um, I don't struggle with cursing, but that doesn't mean I ha- don't have a problem with my tongue, right? We, we, we can use our tongues in ways to hurt people more than with just curse words, okay? And so I understand that we all wrestle with things, we struggle with things, and some things we will struggle with until Jesus comes back, right? But you can't say that Jesus can't stop you every now and then. I mean, we, we should be progressing in, in some way, right? Or if we're not, we should stop telling people that we're so spiritually mature, that's, that's the problem. Oh, no, I'm spiritually mature. I'm close to the Lord. Bleep, 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 bleep. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't get that from the disciples. When they walked with, when they walked with Jesus, they was using those kind of words. Now, now Peter, the, the Peter, the, the, the night Jesus was, was being crucified, and that girl came and said, you was with one of him. Bleep, 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 bleep. It said, you know, he cursed him. It was like, he was like, I'm going, I can prove I ain't with Jesus. Bleep, 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 bleep. Then the disciples talk like that. <laughs> right? So he, he was like, look, I'm going to get as far away from here as possible. Okay? But other than that, you know, their words were changing. Recognizing that it'll be progressive, we'll move forward, we'll fall back, but we should be progressing. In reference to the second question, let me run before before I run out of time. How much time do you spend serving others, particularly those who do not, um, cannot do anything for you in return? James says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their troubles. Orphans and widows are usually the most poor and marginalized in society in in their day. They were constantly in need of help, but could do nothing reciprocal for those who um, helped them. Here, James says that the proof of genuine religion, true heart change, and spiritual maturity is serving those in need. And this is something that is the hardest to teach people um, as a pastor. Because, again, in, in, in our minds, we think leadership is about having titles, having positions. That's not leadership in the Bible, right? Jesus says that you're not supposed to lord your leadership over them, but the one who is the greatest among you should be the one who serves. So we have things, we have events at church, and, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, pastor, I want to lead the, this part of the, the thing. I want to lead this part of the event. And, and I'm like, who going to lead putting the tables out before the event? And who going to lead taking the trash out? Oh, well, pastor, you know, I can't get there that early. Oh, okay, well, you know, when it's over, can you put the trash out? Oh, well, you know, I got to go. Got to get the kids in the bed. We can lead everything during the event. But the serving before the event, the serving after the event, we don't have time, Pastor. All right, well, we, we got the homeless outreach going on, and you're like, oh, yeah, we need to help the homeless. All right, well, we need water. We need this. Okay, well, I can grab some water. I can help. We can do this. Okay, anybody want to actually go to the homeless 
outreach and serve the food to the homeless people. Oh, you know, I got work this week, Pastor. So you work every fourth Saturday? <laughs> I mean, it's the same, the same people who set up the stuff before the event and set up the stuff after the event. Their schedule is always free to go serve. And everybody else, we can buy something. While I'm already at the store, I'll pick something up. But actually, like, go and feed homeless people? One person told me, literally, flat out said, God ain't called me to do that. God called me to preach the word. (laughs) Say, nah, man, he, he did not call you. He did not. We go out and, and, and we, we buy Christmas toys for kids in the neighborhood. We buy, make Thanksgiving baskets. And, and people bring and drop off the food, bring and drop off the clothes. And, 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 and guess who's going to strangers' houses to drop off food for Thanksgiving? They're like, well, can you take one of the baskets? Oh, well, Pastor, I can't make it that night. But turn right around and say, well, what can I lead? He says, pure and undefiled religion is this. It's not leadership. It's not praying real good in church. It's not reading the Bible. It's not knowing doctrine. Pure and undefiled religion is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble. You remember Jesus when he says, he talks about the sheep and the goat judgment. And he, uh, he says to one group, he tells them that depart from me. I, I never knew you. Right? When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was in jail, you didn't come visit me. Well, Lord, when, when, when did we see you hungry or naked and in jail? When you did not do this to the least of these, my brethren, you did not do it for me. See, religion is what we like to do. That's not the real real religion. Real religion shows a heart change, and this heart change is shown by you sacrificing your own time and comfort for those who will never be able to do anything for you in return. That is when you know you have genuine religion. Lastly, I'm sorry, let me make this statement. This is a good statement right here. How much time I got? Five minutes? All right. And then the tape going to run out and be done. <laughs> James is here to tell you that if your piety, your spiritual maturity doesn't move you to get your hands dirty with those in need, your maturity is worthless. Lastly, in reference to the last question on the exam, are you consistently holy? James says in verse 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now this word keep um, is referring to regular continuous action. Regular continuous action. 
Are you regularly and continuously keeping yourself unspotted from the world? Are you consistently holy? Well, pastor, everybody struggles with something. I agree. Everybody struggles with something. Now, how frequently do you struggle? (laughs) If you, like, frequently, if you struggle, like, the same day, every day of the week, you know, it's always Friday night. But that, that's not called a struggle. That's called your weekend plans. You know, if you're struggling, that means that you're fighting. You should be victorious sometimes. So are you consistently holy, right? I mean, you may slip up, you know, this time and, you know, I'm good. I was good for two months or three months and then I made a mistake and slipped again. And it's like, wow, keep up the fight. But if, you, if you're struggling and you, 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 you fall the same time yeah, r- r- routinely, like, you know, that's, that's called a calendar, you know, something that was scheduled in. Are you consistently holy? Are you routinely working on rooting out sin in your life? See, that's genuine religion. It's supposed to change you from the inside out. And let me stop because they want to make sure y'all can get everything all on one CD. All right, you can stop the tape. <laughs> but as, as I said, James is really working on what is genuine faith? Because we are, we're being told that genuine faith is that, you know, if I have enough faith, you know, God will heal me. God will give me a car, give me a do all of these, right? Faith is anything. But James, he hasn't talked about, you know, getting a brand new um, horse or buggy or anything like that, you know. In chapter one, everything that he says about faith is how are you enduring the trials that you go through, right? Not that, oh, if you have faith, God is going to get you out of it. No, if you have faith, God will keep you through it. How, how are you handling the temptations in your life? Are you genuinely wrestling to make sure you don't give in to your temptations? Or are you just saying, I'm I'm only human? See, faith teaches you how to endure your temptations and say no to the flesh. It teaches you how to to really fight against against the flesh. Faith is is dealing with self-deception to say, you know what? I don't talk, you know, when, when, when we have debates on Facebook, you know, I don't start the fight, but I make sure I always end it. You got to stop doing that. that. Something ain't right with your religion. Something's not right with your religion. It, 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 it causes you to examine yourself and to ask, well, what am, I, what am I hanging my spiritual maturity on? Is it on that I could explain fully, you know, um, the hypostatic union of Christ? You know, am I hanging my, my maturity on being able to fully explain penal substitutionary atonement? 
or am I hanging my religion on my wife works and I need to make sure that the dishes are clean by the time she gets home so that's one less thing she has to do that's that's real religion because if you can explain penal substitutionary atonement, but you sit at home all day and your wife is at work and then she got to come home, clean all of the house, and then cook the dinner, and then clean up again, and you think you deep, ooh, I got penal substitutionary atonement, you don't know Jesus. Not well. Because Jesus is going to say, put down that theology book and start washing some dishes. At least that's what he told me. (laughs) 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 Listen, what are we basing our spiritual maturity on? we're, We're basing our spiritual maturity on what we know, not what we're doing. And the world is taking notice. And we're like, mm, hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. If I, if I see one more person ask me, why should I go to church with all this clergy sex scandal abuse? Well, I mean, what do you say to that? <laughs> Why, why should I go? I'm not taking my children to church because, you know, the odds of my child, something happening to them is, is greater in church than anywhere else. Well, what do you say to that? We're basing our maturity off of what we know, not on what we're doing. And that type of religion, as James is saying, and when we get to chapter two, <laughs> right? I mean, James, he cut, he didn't cut straight through the heart and then he bring the knife back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that 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 type of religion is is useless, it's worthless, it's vain, it can't do it. James chapter two, he says, that type of religion can't save. Now, we have we have gone through all of these passages of scripture and I don't want anyone to ever hear me saying that um spiritual maturity, religion and all of these things is based on our works, okay? I'm 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 we're being very clear, okay? Salvation is through faith in Christ. Jesus' atoning work, if we could take time to talk about penal substitutionary atonement, okay? His, 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 his saving work on the cross, okay? He, penal, took the penalty, right? Substitutionary, he was there when we should have been there. Atonement, right? He brought peace between us and God, okay? So he, he did all of that. Our trust in him is what saves us, okay? That is what Paul is addressing James is talking about the other side of the coin. Okay. Now that you are saved, what does your life look like? 
so when he says pure and undefiled religion is this, I don't want us to hear what most, you know, liberal theologians hear. They're like, oh, you got to be, it's not about believing in Jesus. It's about helping the poor. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, again, we're very cerebral people. Right? We just tell me what the Bible says. And then we say, okay, we're going to hold you accountable to it. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> right? Well, actually, Jesus says teaching them to obey everything he has commanded. Right? We got to walk it out. Now, we're done with chapter one. Okay, We've looked at how to handle trials, how to handle um, uh, temptation, and how to handle self-deception. Okay? Next week, we will come back and start with chapter two. And James is going to tell us how to handle favoritism. Do we show favoritism in church? <laughs> so it's like James kind of threads the needle and they just keep pulling it tighter and tighter <laughs> and tighter. <laughs> All right. But he's trying to get us to the place of being, of exercising genuine biblical faith. Right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for allowing us again to come together to hear your word. We pray that you would continue to uh, work on our hearts. I know that these messages are difficult because you are trying to get us to look in the mirror, to see ourselves and to not flinch, not to look away, not to make excuses. And Lord, it is so difficult because we live in a society that teaches us to do it so easily, so well. In counseling, psychology, we, we, we make up nice, neat terms to teach us how to look away and feel good about it. But you don't want us to look away. You want us to see ourselves for who we really are. And we can do that, as Paul says, that we are rooted and grounded in love. As Paul says, we are accepted in the beloved. So no matter who we are, you have accepted us and you will never cast us away. So we are standing on firm ground. We don't have to make excuses. We don't have to lie. We don't have to be self-deceived. We don't have to defame you. We can agree with what you say, knowing that you will love us regardless. And not only will you love us regardless, that, but if we confess to you, you are faithful and you are just to cleanse us from all of those sins. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to keep looking in the mirror and, and allowing you to show us who we are through your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to take the steps every single day, even though it may be difficult, even though it may hurt. Help us to take the steps every single day to apply the things that we are hearing and reading and seeing in your word. So that we can exercise genuine biblical faith. 
and so that you can transform us, that you can shape us and mold us into the image of your son. And so the world will no longer be able to look at least look at us and say that they see hypocrites. But they will see our good works and glorify you in heaven. We thank you now for your grace and for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you that like a loving father, sometimes you have to cut us or discipline us in order to get us where we need to be. Now, pray, Lord, that we will first agree with you and then we will do what is necessary to grow in the righteousness that you have given us through your death on the cross. We thank you now for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.